Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Welcome everybody back to another episode with Lisa and Pam of Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. We thought it'd be really interesting to bring back a former guest, Misha Cooperman, our SVP of Cloud Operations and Ecosystem here at Zscaler. Misha, welcome back. Pam, Lisa, great to be back. I'm happy to go from former guest to current guest. A lot has changed. It's been a very interesting, to say the least, couple of months and very positive way we continue to grow. Misha, you know, we had a great discussion early September. It was more around doing business within China. But you know, when you look at, we closed out 2021, we're now welcoming in 2022. A lot has changed for Zscaler and just the industry in general. Zscaler hit 200 billion transactions a day. We were introduced into the NASDAQ 100. And on the other side of this, the FCC revoking certain China telecom licenses to operate within the US and Log4j was identified and many are still mitigating it. Running one of the largest clouds in the world, where are you at in all of this? And how are you guys doing with all the various items going on? So you're right. A lot has changed, both positive and uh, I would say not negative, but interesting. And the cloud continues to grow. I'll start with the 200 billion transactions. One of the things we've always been tracking is how the cloud is growing. We publish this data. It's available on our website. Anybody can go and see all the interesting metrics that Zscaler emits, all the telemetry. But really, the 200 billion number is just a testament to how Zscaler is scaling, but more importantly, that customers are adopting it and customers are using the internet more and more as a a business tool. So the vision that Zscaler had over 10 years ago is really hitting an inflection point, I would say has hit an inflection point. And we're ready, you know, we're, we're ready to tackle any organization joining Zscaler, whether it's 10,000 users or 300,000 users and support them going to the internet in a secure and reliable way. Moving on to the NASDAQ 100, not as much of a technical milestone, but again, it's a testament of what Zscaler is doing. Being inducted into the NASDAQ 100 simply means you're one of the largest and the most actively traded stocks on the NASDAQ. There's some criteria there. There's obviously, it is a badge of honor to be there. Technically, it doesn't change much for what we do, just raises sort of the level of attention that the investment community and you know the various investors pay to Zscaler. And I think we're going to keep seeing whether it's through NASDAQ 100 or you know the recent addition to FedRAMP and StateRAMP certifications, we're going to continue to instill trust in public ways into the platform. Yeah, I'm curious about that increased visibility. Do you think it makes us more of a target or is it really more of a business and investment function rather than a technical impact? Well, I hope it doesn't, but the reality is any public mention, any sort of bragging, whether it's warranted or not, makes you a target. The good news for us is we're not as fun of a target as some publicly facing service or a specific organization because we do obfuscate all the folks that are behind us. And so attacking Zscaler, you're not quite sure what the ramifications will be. But of course, we are always keeping our guard up and very cognizant of the fact that the bigger we get, the more interesting we become to the bad guys out there. 
Sure. So it sounds like we have a really solid foundation for the growth we've been experiencing for anything that comes our way. But I'm sure that there will be additional challenges ahead, whether that's supply chain challenges or changes in the geopolitical situation. In terms of industry trends like that, what are you looking towards? What are you seeing on the horizon? The supply chain and certainly the geopolitical environment, you guys mentioned FCC revoking the licenses for China Telecom, they're definitely top of mind. To continue to operate in China and deliver a reliable service is it's a quest into an unexplored and uh, un- uncharted territory because it's, it's really becoming a cold war, in my opinion, between the West and China. It's not just visible in the telecoms, which if you think about it for a second, are losing their license to operate, let's say in the United States, China Telecom and China Unicom both had their licenses yanked, which means the big investments that they've made in the country they have to walk away from, right? We'll see where it ends up, but effectively they have to walk away from those investments. But additionally, just without even thinking about retaliation, what that means is that the connectivity between China and US, which is already strained, is going to lose a ton of capacity, just from a technical point of view for getting politics. And that's a very unnerving and frustrating fact, because at the end of the day, it's already challenging as, as it is to operate. And there's already performance issues during the business day between the countries. And I expect this will increasingly make it harder and harder to operate the service. But we continue to invest and continue to adapt to the situation. So Misha, if we could, just to touch on this, because I know listeners out there are going to be concerned. They're going to be in the back of their mind. They're going to say, oh gosh, is my service going to get worse with Zscaler if I have users in China and so forth? Have you seen that we've had to mitigate anything? Have you seen we've had to go ahead and make adjustments? What have you done from the cloud perspective for that? Yeah, I'd like to start with the service will not be worse if you're consuming the same type of services as we are. It'll be on par or better, effectively the same. We've also invested in premium offerings, which still exist out there. And those offerings are basically the gold-plated, very expensive connectivity that China Telecom and China Unicom and China Mobile offer to get uh, outside of the Great Firewall uh, via a fast lane, if you will doesn't necessarily go to U.S., it goes to Hong Kong, it goes to Singapore, it goes to Tokyo, right? So the challenges between U.S. and China may not necessarily affect those services, although they may, they may, we don't know. But effectively, customers have options. It's not a fire and forget sort of thing where you just turn on the service and it works. You do have to work around, take on some technical debt or buy additional services, But between the premium services we offer, between the private infrastructure that we can deploy into customers' environments and our geo-augmentation program for China, there are ways to keep the service stable in today's environment. What happens tomorrow, you know, we can't guarantee, but certainly today we have thousands of customers that are using in China and working in their businesses stable. China is always a question mark, but there is an entire broader world out there dependent on our services. To me, it feels like we have weathered the storm of the pandemic, the incredible increase in uptake from a user perspective, from a traffic perspective, as people moved to work from home and just the traffic through the Zscaler service grew. Now that we've gotten over that hump, these ongoing changes in the global picture, how does that affect Zscaler globally? Any other impact on the Z cloud? Yeah, well, I wouldn't celebrate and say we've gotten over the hump. I think we're, we've are we learned how to live with the new normal. 
and the new normal is you have no reliability as far as the things that used to be reliable. Things mm. like getting packages delivered on time, getting people to show up in data centers to do the work they promised to do. Uh, I think all of that, we have just learned to pad and buffer and over-invest in order to deal with the ramifications of what's going on after or during the, the pandemic. That's um, fair. And of course, our customers have also went in and they said that working remote is now mandatory. And if you really stop for a second and think about what that means is for a lot of customers, it's going from a dozen or a hundred offices to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of individual devices that all must be controlled. And a lot of employees are mobile now, much more so than before, where before your road warriors were the sales folks and you know maybe some executives, generally speaking. Now, literally every employee can decide that, no, I don't want to live in this area anymore. I'm going to pick up and go for a few months and everybody's working remote. And so the platform has scaled and proven and has been proven to be able to transform from this kind of like concentrated location, office traffic to road warrior traffic to, you know, almost hundred percent road warrior traffic. And if you look at specific countries, I'm not exaggerating. Some of them went from 10% road warrior to 90% road warrior or remote over a 24 hour period when they went into lockdowns. I think that's something very unique to our platform is that we built it from the get-go to assuming we don't know where people are coming from. We don't know what method they take to get to us. And so we over-invested in having the ability to support both remote and office workers simultaneously and without any sort of warning from the customer about what is going to happen. And that has definitely paid off. (laughs) It has. And that's so interesting, Misha, because when you think about it, we talk about the Zscaler Cloud being flexible, scalable, all these things. But to your point, this happened overnight. And while we know your teams actually responded to the demand, did what they needed to do, I don't think any of us expected this to be a long-term endeavor for, for organizations who have this large remote workforce. Are there things that when you did that and you scaled so quickly, have you had to go back and rethink some things or actually it just followed your playbook and you just kept moving with the playbook and the playbook as it adjusted is now your new playbook? Does that make sense, the question? It makes sense. You know, it's not that simple. (laughs) We're continuing to learn, right? We've always had, even before like the world went into lockdown, we did an exercise where we built a data center with everybody being fully remote because we foresaw places like Italy shutting down. And we published actually a blog on that about how we went about exercising our BCPDR plan. And I think having tabletop exercises, having all the compliance that we we, like, the FedRAMP, the state ramp, the ISO, there's a big laundry list of various external compliance bodies that we are now certified for. And they all factor in BCP and DR and, and, and tabletop exercise. I think that helped us quite a bit. The most interesting metric or the most interesting change, I would say, is that we used to hire in specific areas and the teams were very concentrated and there was not a lot of need for daily stand-ups or kind of these information exchange mechanisms were happening via osmosis, via basically folks being close to each other. And the biggest transformation we made is that we are now pretty much everybody's remote. Folks are all over the place. And they're able to operate and cooperate with each other, with other parts of the business. And I think that was the most hard and complex changes to integrate since the pandemic, more than 50% of the Zscaler workforce is 
net new and has never been to an office or has not been in any meaningful way to an office? And how do you get those people to be effective? And I think that was the biggest, for me at least, the biggest challenge. That is really interesting. 2021, I think many of us are happy. 2021 is over. When you look at 2022, are there any specific future changes that are being made to the Z Cloud that maybe you could talk to or things you're looking to do? Yeah, I think one, we just continue to scale. So we're still growing very quickly. You can look at our financials for the compound annual growth rates. And every dollar we take in in revenue is additional transactions, additional traffic. And Customers themselves are becoming, you know, what I call fatter. So they're consuming what was a user that was consuming stuff in 2018 before the work from home thing hit is consuming about 35% year on year more than they were doing when they just joined. That partially has to do with a lot of human dynamics where when you're at work, for example, you could be consuming internet radio. And when you're at home, you could be consuming YouTube. So you can think about just the volume of difference that makes in, in terms of how people use the computers. Also, people's workdays have gotten longer. So before you get to work at whenever you get to work and you go home and generally you're shut down, right? Now people's workdays, whenever they wake up to whenever they go to sleep. And so there's a lot of that changes the pattern of traffic ultimately. Other than that, you know, I think the big change is that the platform is getting more complex. We're rolling out a lot more products, the workload protection, the browser isolation, ZDX, a lot of products that we're seeing are starting to scale. And so the matrix is getting deeper and managing the platform is more challenging, but in a very interesting kind of way. Well, I'm definitely feeling the workdays getting longer, so I can see how scaling me up to millions of people would definitely have that kind of impact. Do you have any last thoughts for our listeners before we wrap up? Well, we missed Log4j altogether, which was one of the biggest, I would say, earthquakes in the security world. If you think about what Log4j was, is that it gave any script kitty root level access to any web facing application that was using the library, which is a lot of applications. And I was literally on a call with a financial institution on Christmas Eve major financial institution where everybody was going crazy because of just the amount of exploitability that was potentially exposed, right? And so there was a lot of fog of war that was going on. The timing was very interesting. The severity, it was a 10 on the scale, you know, on a scale of one to 10. The good news there is that one, the compliance and what we do in the federal world, we have a very good inventory of what we have, and we were able to address any vulnerabilities that we had very, very quickly within hours. We were also able to offer our customers who are behind the service, which is a big benefit of Zscaler that folks don't think about, the ability to just cover everything with an umbrella. And potentially your service may be exploitable, but it cannot be exploited if that makes sense. So, you know, you can get mm-hmm. a virus, but you can't infect anybody or can't call back to command and control. In the Log4j case, within hours of the exploit being available, Zscaler was effectively blocking the command and control, the callback for the exploit. And so even if you got owned, quote unquote, you couldn't be exploited, which is what everybody really ultimately cares about. So big, big for us, it was a multi-day exercise. As you guys correctly point out, we're talking to a lot of organizations that are still sweeping and cleaning up and figuring out where things are still still need to be patched and what the impact of that patching is. So I think it was a very um, earth-moving event for the security world and just showed how potentially insecure you could be and how important it is to know what you're running and who is responsible for patching it. Because that's what I saw as the biggest 
sort of gap for our customers is that, okay, now we're telling them what they have, that we're seeing this exploit. And they don't know internally who to go to, especially like third-party apps and things like that that have customer data. They don't even know who to go to to start the remediation process. Yeah. And as Jay always says, you can't attack what you can't see. So just giving them the breathing room to understand that they're a little bit protected here and they can take the time to figure out what they need to remediate, that's huge. It is, yeah. And this is, again, the big benefit of Zscaler that people don't always see because when I talk to customers, a lot of them look at us as a, like, let me look at the solution, not just Zscaler, during peacetime. And it's very hard to evaluate something that is at wartime, what we call around here, where effectively, mm-hmm. hey, when everything is working great, these two solutions are exactly on par. It's like, yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. If, if there was no nobody trying to break into your house, you wouldn't need locks, right? <laughs> the problem really, or the challenge that we've been able to step up to address time and time again is really to provide coverage very quickly. This is the power of the network cloud scale that we can provide and multi-tenancy that we can provide coverage for folks as soon as we have a fix out there and we can block either the inbound or the outbound traffic for the application or the end user. So even if they're compromised, we can basically stop the compromise from becoming an infection or from exploiting data exfiltration. Makes sense. Well, thank you for joining us again. This is always fascinating stuff. And I think we would love to have you as a regular guest. But for today, I know that I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners have. And I just really appreciate all the information and all you do and all your team does to keep us running smoothly around the world. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Pam. Hope everybody has a great day. Cheers. for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find Lisa Lorenzen and Pam Kubiatowski on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com or on LinkedIn. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult with your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.